The new year has begun. There are going to be great memories that are going to be placed from now all the way through the World Series and beyond of 2023. But there are some things about 2022 that are worth being thankful for. And one thing I'm thankful for is we're doing another year of Locked On MLB. And once a week, this guy comes aboard. Let's start the show. Are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please lurk down there. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-dominated television producer who's beginning his fifth year broadcasting here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I've done over a decade of baseball podcasts. You want to listen to some of my back episodes, check them out at Sully Baseball, wherever you get your podcasts. But now you can follow us on YouTube. You can follow us on, on Instagram at Lockdown MLB Pod. Same handle for Twitter. Remember Twitter? And you can also follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And at least once a week, this guy's on the show. Hey. That handsome man's going to introduce himself right now. What's your name, sir? I am Miller Thomas, host of Locked on Diamondbacks. You can follow me on Twitter, my personal account, at CreatorThomas24. You can follow the show account just by looking up Locked on Diamondbacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And, of course, we're on YouTube as well, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube. All right, and uh, you know, please and subscribe to these the shows that we have on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I talked about how I, a, a nice little moment was going down to the Sharks game with my friend Noel, and she's out of her mind, crazed Sharks fan. Like you know, she's going to Sharks games now. The Sharks are not having a very good year, and in fact, the game we saw it was. Uh, and they were leading with two outs, uh, two two outs, Jesus, with two minutes to go in the final period, and they let up a game tying goal. Then they lost in overtime mm. to Philadelphia. Still a lot of fun, but she said, "Oh, let's listen to this. Let's listen to this uh, Sharks podcast to get us ready for the game." And I hear da 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 da. listen to the Lockdown Podcast Network. I thought, oh, she's putting on my show instead. But no, she, we listened to Locked on Sharks. And, That's a beautiful uh, moment. And you didn't know she was a fan of the Locked on Sharks before? I had no idea. She, I knew she was a rabid shark. She's the biggest Sharks fan I've ever met in my life. But uh, I didn't know she was going to put on Locked on Sharks. And she didn't know. She knew I was a baseball podcast. I think she still thinks I'm Sully Baseball. And she's uh, she said, you're on Locked on? I said, yeah, yeah. I love those moments. I had one of those yeah. with one of my coworkers because he knew I did a baseball podcast and he's a Broncos fan. He used to listen to Lockdown Broncos. And I was like, hey, I'm part of the Lockdown Network too, pal. Buddy. 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 Well, these are all things to be grateful for and thankful for. And, you know, um, yesterday, if you listen to the show that I put that was dropped at midnight, we had the, on New Year's Eve, we had a fun show with uh, H-Town where we counted down before midnight because uh, H-Town didn't want to let go of 2022 because he's a big Astros fan. Um, and uh, then yesterday we broke down the suffering index. We broke down, if you hadn't listened to the January 1st show, we broke down which fan base is suffering the most. And we used my formula of the suffering index which takes into account 
number of years you've been waiting for a World Series title, number of years you've been waiting waiting for a pennant, uh, trip to the playoffs, those are weighted differently. Uh, number of potential game sevens, game fives, one game playoffs, you know, those sort of do or die games that you've lost. If you've lost a whole bunch of those, that'll raise your suffering index. That's what kills uh, Oakland and Pittsburgh, all those game fives of the division series, all those game sevens of the league championship series that those teams have lost have raised theirs. And um, you add them together, you divide by this, you grab this, you come up with a number and uh, it's, and you factor in hundred lost seasons and, and everything. And it's, it, it was all yesterday was all about things that make you sad because no better way to ring in the new year than with sorrow. But my uh, my buddy Millard, who you see in the box right over there, suggested we do something a little more uplifting for today's show. Some of the mm-hmm. things that, at least from 2022, uh, made us sore, made us feel that the sore, S-O-A-R, not S-O-R-E, very, very different. Okay. And, uh, it is or S-O-U-R, S-O-U-R. Um, but uh, we're playing with words here. Welcome to Locked On Words. Uh, by the way, I'm on my longest ever Wordle win streak. I'm very Whoa. proud of myself. I'm at 63. I've beaten DiMaggio. Now I've passed Aaron Judge. I'm, I got my eyes on Sosa and McGuire. Um, but uh, we're talking about the things of the last year that were, you know, the feel-good moments, the things that made us feel good to be a baseball fan. Because lest we forget, we're mm-hmm. here for entertainment. We're here for these moments as much more as in terms of stats or cold wins and losses. There are things that happen that make you feel great. And mm-hmm. there are things that happened this last year that made me feel really great. And I definitely know it happened for Miller. So we're going to share some of the ones, some of those moments, because I think uh, uh, it's good to remind ourselves what those moments are. Yeah, that's right. So I could I could start us off here, Sully Baseball. And I'm just going to go with a more broader one, because how about money being spent once again in Major League Baseball in the offseason meaning something once again because you look at our last championship series and you had the Philadelphia Phillies versus San Diego Padres, two teams that spent a lot of money in the previous offseason. You look at this offseason with the New York Mets spending so much money on what they want to go after and the New York Yankees doing the same. Baseball has finally started spending money again these last two offseasons. They're finally starting to hand out long-term contra- long-term contracts again. After like 2018, 2019, we were kind of worried about baseball there for a second. It seems like teams were more hesitant to give out long-term deals. It felt like it took really long for the offseason to heat up. It felt like the hot stove was turned off until after the winter meetings. But now you look at the baseball offseason the last two years. Free agent has started quickly. We've had a sprinkling of news pretty much every week this offseason with a major signing happening. And these contenders are not afraid to go out there, spend a lot of money, and commit themselves to the these long-term contracts, which we know are usually albatrosses on the back end of the deal. So I'm happy for contenders spending money and baseball kind of just changing their mindset after the last couple years, after from 2018, 2019, seemingly, seemingly like we're going in a different direction in the offseason. Well, my first feel-good moment, I think, directly ties to your feel-good moment. Okay. Uh, and that is we got a 162-game season. Oh, that we got, we have labor peace for the next few years. We know right. that. And, you know, and, you know, it was, and you and I have talked about this. Stacy and I have talked about this. It was a challenge 
doing a podcast during a lockout. Now, I happen to like the offseason and coming up with strange topics and everything like that. But it's one thing to come up with a strange topic and, and something offbeat and do it. It's another thing to be required to do it because there's nothing to talk about. There's no trades. There's nothing happening. And the lockout was kind of sort of brutal. It made last year's offseason brutal because they were locked out. It was so stupid. Everyone knew it was stupid. Mm-hmm. And and it was kind of it really did look like we were going to have a truncated season again. You know, we're at, at, at our best case scenario is like we're going to have half a year or something. And we didn't. We got 162 games. We got a full season. And we got a full season with fans in the stands. And it felt like baseball again. And with that, and so we got the full season and we got, uh, you know, that sense of continuity with a full year. And now because of that, I do believe that it was the threat of the labor disagreement of the you know, potential scorched earth work stoppage uh, from both sides. And I'm not, and I, I'm very careful how I phrase that because I've been very pro player in virtually every labor negotiation and everything. I, I just don't trust the, I, the owners have shown over generations that they have not been honest about the finances of baseball, but it, it, it looked like it was going to be two, you know, two animals locking antlers and, you know, for if you're a team saying, well, if we're not even sure we're going to have baseball for a year or so, why in the name of Yahweh am I going to sign a player to a long-term deal if there's not going to be any money to be made? And so now I, I do think that I do think these are two are linked. They're like, okay, we got labor peace now. We know at least for the next, was it five years or however long the agreement is, we know we've got baseball in 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, and 2026. So, you know, if we can aim to try to win a World Series in that five-year window of opportunity before the next labor crisis turns up, uh, yeah, let's start spending money. Let's win now. Let's get that now. And lest we forget, you are going to make more money. And I know this is – I am not an economist. I, don't, I, wanted, I wanted to dispel all rumors that I'm an economist. I am not. Um, although I, I detected from the beginning that crypto is BS. Mm. But that that being said, should let me know, Sully. Lost a lot of money there. When they when when someone explains you for forty five minutes and they don't they can't tell you a simple verb or noun in a sentence of what the hell it is, that's when you say, "I'm okay. I'm putting my money under the mattress." But if you put a good product on the field, you will probably get more people interested. Mm-hmm. There will probably be more eyeballs on the TV or the device, more butts in the seats, more luxury boxes filled, more things done, and you'll make more money from that. If you put a garbage product on the field, chances are you aren't going to – the turnstiles won't be turning. You won't be getting the ratings on your the devices. You won't be selling those plastic cups that you put the nachos in or whatever else you make the money. And so it's, it's an amazing – you know, put an entertaining product on the field and you will have people entertained. It's not a revelation. All, yeah, not to go all Russell Crowe and, and Gladiator here, but sometimes you got to say, are you being entertained? And 
that's got to be the key. And I think that's something that we should feel good about for this year because teams are starting to figure out something that seems pretty basic, but let's face it, a lot of teams have forgotten all about it. Yeah, it's a revelation. You'd be surprised. Um, scared money don't make no money, as they always say. So if you want to bring more money into your pockets, owners, you got to shell out a little money, bump that payroll up, get some good players in your lineup, get some good players in your rotation, build a competitive playoff squad, because guess what? I bet you Mariners, that fan base, that franchise, I bet you they're making a lot more money now, now that the playoff drought is over, which brings me to my next grateful thing, Sully Baseball. Well, just, oh, stop me, me first. Go. What do you want to say? Hold, 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 hold on. Okay. I, I'm no economist, but I think it's a surefire bet Oh, that those Padres are making more money than they were before. And guess where you should go if you want to make any bets? BetOnline? BetOnline.net, your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there. You got the college bowl games are going on there. Uh, well, how about those bowl games? Yep. <laughs> how about that pro football? Are the Bills going to win this year? Mm. I actually hope they do. I know nothing about football. I couldn't tell you a single. Bruce Smith isn't on the Bills anymore, is he? No. Okay. But uh, uh, I want the Bills to win because I like generational moments. You know, like when the Red Sox won, when the Cubs won, when Washington won the World Series. You know, when you have a generation, when Cleveland won the NBA title, those moments where a fan base is going, I can now relax. Those are the those are the moments I love. And even though I couldn't tell you a single player of the Buffalo Bills right now, I want to see them win the Super Bowl. So those I know many, many people live up in Buffalo. Two of my greatest friends in the world are natives of Buffalo. And they don't care about football, and yet they wear all their Bills stuff because it's state-issued. Anyway, uh, they should go to Bet Online. They got it all at BetOnline.net. If you have sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Sorry to cut you off there, Miller, but we had to do we had to do that break. We got to, you know, and so it was like I could just see us going down the line. And next thing you know, we're at minute 45 and we haven't told anyone about bet online yet. That's a surefire bet that we would be in trouble from our bosses. And if you want to make any bets. OK, go on what you were saying. Hey, OK. Back to the schedule program, as I was saying, because back to my next point, the next thing I'm grateful for is how about playoff droughts ending this past season? Because we had two teams in both the American League with the longest playoff drought in the four major American sports in the Seattle Mariners and the NL team with the longest playoff drought in the Philadelphia Phillies. Both breaking the playoff curses, and they kind of did it in different ways, but they both spent some money to do it because we know the Phillies, they got Dave Dombrowski, and he went out there and signed everyone last offseason to the Nick Castellanos of the world and the Kyle Schwarbers, and they brought in Bryce Harper in 2019. So that was a team that spent so much money, they were rewarded with not only the playoff drought ending, but also a championship series berth. And then you look at the Seattle Mariners, who have some great homegrown talent in the Ty Francis and the Julio Rodriguez's, but they also also went out there, spent some money on the Cy Young Award winner and Robbie Ray, traded for Luis Castillo and paid him a whole bunch of money too. So I love these two teams because they ended their playoff droughts. They've been spending money and they want to be competitive. Look at the Mariners just traded for Teoscar Hernandez, one of my winners of the offseason. I love what these two teams have been doing in the offseason and they have been rewarded by breaking their playoff droughts. 
And that the Mariners did in such a wonderfully dramatic manner with the home run by Cal Raleigh, that you have one of those moments that the fan base is, you know, it, that's become an all-time great moment in Mariner history is the home run that, you know, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2001. Raleigh hits the home run, sends them, sends them to the wild card series. They wind up winning the wild card series in dramatic fashion with a come from behind victory against Toronto and then Philadelphia who have not been relevant. They've only had one winning season since Ryan Howard collapsed in a heap in the 2011 playoffs a year, which I thought you thought we all thought they were going to stampede to the world series in 2011. And instead the you know rally squirrel kills them and the Cardinals wind up winning. And then this team, it's kind of strange. That team in 2011, which should, probably should have won the World Series that year, doesn't get out of the division series. And then this team, which didn't even have home field advantage in the wild card round, finished third place in their in a division where the Mets and the Braves were battling it out all year. They go all the way to the World Series, take a two-game-to-one lead over the heavily favored Astros, and actually have a lead in game six until Alvarez hits that home run, which I have no evidence ever actually landed. But mm. Philadelphia fans could look up. They've had, they have a pennant. This is a team that's been to the World Series in 1915, 1950, 80, 83, 93, uh, 08, 09. So this is only their eighth World Series appearance in their history. And I think they are really well set up to be a strong contender next year um there if you told me if you want to bet online oh and you said look at see how i integrated in um if you want to bet online and you say the world series is going to be between philadelphia and seattle i don't necessarily take that pick but it's not an outrageous pick no that's that's not outlandish yeah that's a plausible pick i actually think it's going to be mets houston uh, as of right now but it's way too early. That's my absurdly early pick. Um, but also, uh, I mean, having you know, having those teams back in there and giving their fans some memories, I mean, that's priceless. I mean, that's that's the other thing we have to remember when people think only in terms of did they win a title, did they not? You know, as I've said, baseball teams don't owe their fans a title. They owe their teams a fun summer. Philadelphia fans got a really fun summer. I went to a game in Philadelphia. They were having a blast. Okay. Seattle fans got themselves a fun summer. Met fans as bone crushingly depressing. The ending of the season was losing the division to Atlanta and then being upset by San Diego in the, in the wildcard series. They had a summer. They had a fun summer. And so for you, if you're a young fan and you're a fan in for the Mets, for the Phillies, for the Padres, for Cleveland, for uh, Seattle. You had a fun, fun summer this year uh, in 2022, and you've gained memories. It's not always about the parade at the end. Sometimes it's about going to the game and, oh, we could do it this year. Let's have some fun doing it. And there's a bunch of fan bases that have been unlocked. Mm-hmm. Seattle has been unlocked. And Seattle should be one of those regional – I've said this before – and I said it again, I'll say it until and it'll be my dying words when Millard is standing over my grave and I, I expect you to be there. This is morbid. Um, the uh, uh, Seattle should be a regional powerhouse the way the Red Sox are. The Red Sox have all of New England. 
Seattle has all the Pacific Northwest. And until the A's move to Portland, they will be the team of Seattle, Tacoma, Spokane, Yakima, Vancouver, Portland, Bend, Corvallis, you know, all around, you know, all, every place, including Twin Peaks, where they're looking for the body of Laura Palmer. I cannot make an up-to-date reference, but that whole region of the Pacific Northwest should all be Mariner crazy the way New England is Red Sox crazy. And one way to get them to be that is to put a really good product on the field. And I think they're starting to do that. And I do think it is, uh, it is a, a fan base that could be unleashed. Let me move on to my next gratefulness because we got into some positives. You know, I was grateful for some positive things, right? The playoff drought, you talked about the season actually playing 162 games. But some things, you could be cynical and be grateful at the same time because this next one, I'm grateful for the Dodgers just choking in the playoffs after having a franchise season, winning over 100-plus games, having one of the best seasons in their franchise's history. What did they do when they got to the postseason? They crapped the bed, Sully Baseball. What? They, they choked it a little bit. You could say they choked it because this was supposed to be a team that dominated the playoffs, and they weren't even able to really get past their first matchup of the playoffs. I guess a team who they spanked like a like a child all year long. They smacked the Padres around left and right. I I live in L.A. County. Those Dodger fans were looking at the Padres series as if it was a foregone conclusion. And they were looking ahead to the winner of Atlanta and Philadelphia. Yeah, the Dodgers were looking at the Padres like they were a nice rack of ribs. They were licking their lips, salivating for the matchup, talking crap all regular season. Because like you said, the Dodgers are the big brothers of the NL West of pretty much every team in that division. But when we got to the postseason, when it mattered most, what happened to the Dodgers? They crumbled under the pressure like they normally do in the playoffs. And the San Diego Padres, the little brothers, were finally able to get over the hump. I'm happy I'm grateful for the Dodgers choking this past season. Well, look at, you know, tell you what, I mean, they, uh, the Padres got a little burst of energy from beating the Mets. I mean, the Padres defeated 200 win teams to get to the NLCS. And, you know, there were three wins away from the world series, San Diego. And I think going into this upcoming year, they're just going to need one tiny little burst of energy and they can get past anyone. Mm. And one way to get that burst of energy is to get a built bar. Ooh. Now look at if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories like those ribs that uh, Miller was just talking about. Try built bar. We've got through the holidays. I have a goal for 2023. I'm going to be healthier this year. I'm in my 50s now. I'm a third of the way through my life, and I want it to last. Okay. So if you want to get healthier, but you want to compromise taste then, man, I got the thing for you. You got to try Built. Built bars, Built puffs, whatever you want to do. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't want to, you don't even think that they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built bars so good? They're 100% real chocolate covers them. That's real chocolate. Now, that's fake chocolate. And they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I love the raspberry. That's my perfect one. I'm not sure what Bill does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining 
amazing macros. Do you know what that means? I don't. And that's when they're better when they're healthy. Only 130 calories and three grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You heard me right. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering built bars at built.com. Now you can go to Walmart or Sam's Club. Huh? That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of built bars. All right? Tell them Sully sent you. And you can pick up a four-bar pack of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Oh, the coconut puffs are pretty great. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab the 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, churro, and you will thank me later. But you can also still go to Built.com and pick them up. Built Bars, they're so good, you won't believe it. <laughs> Had me on the edge of my seat there, fellas. I know. I realized I didn't have a last line. <laughs> okay. Hey, um, let me tell you something why one thing that I was very grateful for, for in 2022 that I was able to witness and for a little bit there, I thought we were going to miss it. Uh, last year, 2022, was the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball. In the modern, you know, you know, yes, I know there were African-American players who played in the 19th century for a few games, and then they were banned. Da, da, da. Okay, you know what I mean. When the modern color barrier was broken in 1947. All right, so stop arguing with me. Um, it was the 75th anniversary of that. And they have Jackie Robinson Day every year in the middle of April to, to commemorate that, where all the players were 40, number 42. Yeah, I think it's a great tribute to him. It really began with Ken Griffey Jr. wanting to wear 42 and other players wanting to wear 42. And someone came up with the idea, or if we all wear it. And I think that, and I think it's wonderful every year they do that. For the 75th, it was going to be, that's obviously a big celebration for it. And it looked like, if the lockout was going to go deep into April, mm-hmm. that we were going to lose that day. We may have celebrated in May or June or whatever, but it would not have been the same thing. And I was very nervous that we were going to miss that and that Rachel Robinson, Jackie's widow, was about to turn 100 and was still with us. Now, once you get past 90 you're you're on you know what is it you're you're on extra time in a soccer match at any moment the ref can blow yeah. you the whistle. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. So like, okay, you know, you know it's sort of like at any moment the ref can blow the whistle. You know because if someone's over ninety, so oh my god, how'd they die? Well, they were ninety two. No, what? No, when we lost the queen, when the queen died this year, not one person said, "Oh wait, what? How did that happen?" You, you made it past ninety. Can't argue with that. Yeah, and and Rachel Robinson was ninety nine years old, and um, you're 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 pretty, it's pretty safe to say this is going to be her last major milestone regarding Jackie's life. The idea of her being around five years for the eightieth, um, I mean, I'm not wishing anything on anybody, but I'm just saying, mm. you know, once you get what to 104, you, you know, so I was like, are you you're not only going to miss the 75th anniversary, but you, we may be missing Rachel's Robinson's final appearance at an event like this. Now, fortunately, the lockout was, was solved. 
the the season started like days before Jackie Robinson Day at Dodger Stadium. Your pal Sully bought a ticket to go to Jackie Robinson Day, and I'm I was at Dodger Stadium Ooh. for Jackie Robinson Day, which was um, you know my first game of the year, and you know they were playing Arizona, and they were everyone was wearing forty two. And Jackie's children, Jackie's living children were there. Jackie Jr. actually died uh, uh, in an automobile accident in the 70s. So he's, he has been there for a long time. But Jackie's other surviving children were there, uh, as were other um, major figures in sports, including Magic Johnson. And, and there were several other you know, famous Dodgers who were there. And out came Rachel Robinson on a golf cart. And she, you know, she's 99, but she still, she didn't say anything, but she got up and she waved to the crowd. There was a capacity crowd, gave her a standing ovation. I had a few tears when Mm. I was there. I'm man enough to admit that, that I was so happy she was there. I was happy that she was um, aware enough to, you know, acknowledge the crowd and to be there, it was when baseball is at its best, the past, the present, and the future all live simultaneously. There's a timeless quality to it. And that I felt like that was happening that night. Then I saw her, I was seeing her on the screen, but then I made sure I looked live as she was, you know, as she was on the field. I said, that person there I'm looking at, that was Jackie, that's Jackie Robinson's widow. When we're celebrating this man, th- that's the the woman who stood by him through all this, and she's still here. We can still, you know, it's whatever we start honoring someone after they die. I always feel like I wish we honored them while they were alive, and I felt like we could do that. And I felt like I felt very happy that I was there. I felt very happy that she was able to feel the adulation seventy five years later. I was happy that she she's she actually still is alive. She may hit one on one, but uh, that she made it. Yeah. And to me, that was a moment like we could have missed that. We could have that could have been a moment we missed, and we got it. And um, I just felt that was something I was very happy to be a, personally to be a witness to. And it would have been a moment I would have been very angry that we whiffed on as baseball fans and that we didn't. And we got it. And I think it was a a really, really wonderful moment. That's beautiful. Shout out Rachel Robinson, still holding it down for Jackie all these years later. You know, as the person of color, we'd love to see that. We'd love to see that. Thank you, Billy. Oh, oh, read the book. uh, I never had it made, which is Jackie Robinson's autobiography. Um, there are several. There are several great books about Jackie, but read his point of read his uh, writings, and um, I, I, I've and we and I have talked about this. I went on a big rant on it a couple yeah. weeks ago, so I'm not going to go on another one. But uh, it would be interesting for the people who will praise Jackie on that day and hate Colin Kaepernick for everything he did. I would love to play a game with them called whose quote is it Colin or Jackie's? And I bet you they lose. Because Jackie, Jackie said a lot of things that I'm sure the people who hate Colin Kaepernick would be like, Oh, you know, 
he he would have Jackie and Colin would have been very, very good friends. Yeah, and for all the lockdown listeners that call themselves allies, my Jackie Robinson video is currently like my lowest viewed video on the Lockdown Dimebacks YouTube channel. So go get the views up. A little history lesson on Jackie Robinson with Sully Baseball on the Lockdown Dimebacks YouTube channel because we love Jackie Robinson. And you know what else we love, Sully Baseball? Let me give you one more grateful thing to wrap up this podcast because you talked about Jackie Robinson. Let me give you the other side of that coin. One thing that I love from this past season is the Houston Astros angst sully baseball i love the big bad villains that are the houston astros because everyone just loves to hate on the houston astros everyone in the lockdown chat everyone on twitter baseball community everyone just wants the astros to lose they want them to implode they want them to have the worst season ever but year after year since 2017 they go to the championship series if not the world series and they did it again this past year they went to the world series they won it all they once again showed why they're the most dominant team in baseball they have this machine Machine built. They just signed Jose Abreu. They're probably going to be back there again next season. You already made your prediction. Astros 2023 World Series appearance at least. So love the Houston Astros. I don't know how long this is going to last. They're just going to be the big bad villains in baseball for the foreseeable future. And I'm here for the bandwagon. Honorary Astros fan. Put me on. Locked on Astros. And and here you're saying yourself an honorary Astros, Astros fan. I'm going to reveal that uh, in the 2021 World Series, when it was Astros Atlanta, I rooted for the Astros. Oh, and in 2022, when it was Astros Philadelphia, I rooted for the Astros. Look at this guy. B- both both reasons, both years, was because I love Dusty Baker. I wanted Dusty to get his title as a manager. I think he's a Hall of Fame manager, and I think the only thing he had, uh, he had never done was win the World Series. And the main complaint people had about him was ability to handle a pitching staff. And the fact that he won a World Series in a World Series where he handled the pitching staff to the point where he had a combined no-hitter was a gigantic middle finger to every single one of his critics. Now, I will guarantee you that some people will listen to this podcast and say, why do Millard and Sully hate the Astros with such incredible venom? Because... While the Astros are the bad guys in baseball, the villains of baseball, their fans, Astro fans, almost as a whole, are the biggest wannabe martyrs you will <laughs> ever meet in their life. They love being martyrs. They don't understand their – why do you hate the team? Yeah, I'm going to say this, okay? This is going to give me a ton of hate. Uh-oh. After I've just said I rooted for them to win the World Series the last two years. I'm going to say this, okay, Astros fans. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, don't bring up what happened in 2017. Okay, we won't. And then the Astro fans turn around and like, hey, we've won two World Series in the last bunch of years. Yeah, but you cheated in one of them. Stop talking about that. Well, you just brought up the fact that you won, and we brought the fact that you were found guilty of cheating in that one. Celebrate the hell out of 2022. But, you know, you can't celebrate that. And not ask and ask for people to not bring up what happened. You can't have it both ways. You are the bad guys. You are. And there's a place for bad guys in in all of sports. It's the villains, the heels in wrestling, Darth Vader walking through the door in Star Wars, Sauron, uh freaking Thanos. You know, you the better the bad guy, the more memorable it is. So you have the bad guy. Okay? Run with that. Love that. Carlos Correa understood that. 
Correa understood that, okay, we're the villains. And you can say all the things like, they were booing this guy. He wasn't even on the 2017 team. You No, it's to put on the uniform of the bad guy. That's all there is to it. And so embrace that or just acknowledge that most people are going to root for your team, or root for your team to get murdered, slaughtered, punched in the face. And the reason you're the bad guy is a fun, silly reason. It isn't because of illegal drugs. It isn't because of abuse. It isn't because of something, you know, something awful. It's about banging a trash can and doing something silly. That's why you're the bad guy. Because it's fun to have a bad guy like that. It's why people hate the Patriots because they were deflated. They, they weren't committing atrocities. They were videotaping something or deflating a football under their arm. Those are fun bad guys. And you, it's fun to have someone to root against. It's simple. And you, Astros fans, you can't play the, why do people hate us? Or they're bored. People weren't even on the team. Shut up. I rooted for your team to win twice. But you got to knock off the martyr act. The martyr act is boring, insincere, and on you. But know this, Astros fans. Keep dominating, and no one's going to talk about the cheating scandal. Because even though Sully brought up the Patriots, how often do we talk about Deflategate and Spygate? It's little footnotes in the overall timeline of dominance. That's how they put it in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. Is they kept winning, and the Astros, the Astros, the Astros now have back-to-back pennants, mm-hmm. and look like they're on. They should be the favorite to win three straight pennants right now, and that's how you do it. But no, there'll always be people who will hate the team. And you're gonna have to deal with that. People don't hate bad teams. When was the last time you heard someone say those damn Marlins? Mm. God, if Never. there's one team I hate, it's the Rangers, the Cleveland Guardians. Well, the Guardians are good. Yeah, but no one's gonna hate them. A young team that's good. Who's gonna hate? Yeah, them? but but don't. No, I mean, no one's. I mean, come on. Are you saying bad? Yeah. Teams? No one's gonna hate bad. bad. Okay. Don't, don't, really rotten teams. The D backs. Yeah. No one hates the D backs. Who everyone loves. You go on Twitter. Everyone loves the D backs, especially that little Evan Longoria movie. We love it. Oh yeah. Guys. By the way, good move bringing up Evan. I like I like moves like that. The the for those of you who missed it. Um, the Diamondbacks signed former Giant, former Raids third baseman who lost his hat, uh, Evan Longoria, who's mm-hmm. almost the name of one of my favorite of the Desperate Housewives. Um, I you- love this move because I think, especially at this point, when you have some teams like Arizona who have some good young talent on the team, you fill in some of the gaps with major leaguers. Make sure there's a major, there are major leaguers around the roster. Uh, if you say, oh, who's our third baseman? Well, Evan Longoria. Okay. Is he an all-star? Not anymore, but he's a capable major league baseball player. And if you have major league players on a roster with rising young talent, that's they can that's positive cross-pollinating there. You know, you're not expecting him to be an all-star anymore, but for one year you have a guy with a lot of history with who's gonna be playing alongside a young team. Those are smart moves. Yeah, just going to be a little bridge, a little platoon with Rojas, right-handed bat. Just, just hit lefties. 80 Good games shot. a year. Just need to play half the season. That's all we need. Some depth. But you and I are going to play a full season, a full off-season. Miller Thomas, where can people find you? Hey, follow me on Twitter. Personal account, at CreatorThomas24. 
or follow the show account Locked On Diamondbacks. Just look it up both Twitter, Instagram, and of course, follow the show account on YouTube, Locked On Diamondbacks. I'm there. We didn't hit 300 by the new year. We're at like 298. So please, at least by January 2nd, let's get to 300 subscribers on the Locked On Diamondbacks YouTube. We had 700,000 downloads of Locked On MLB. I have no idea if that's good or not. Um, but I will tell you, you can follow follow me on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast. Follow this follow us on YouTube. Start subscribing on YouTube. And you can follow us on uh, the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Any podcast catcher you use, please. And uh, subscribe to us on YouTube and subscribe to us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on the Instagram. And hey, while we're here, let's give our shout out to, uh, by the way, thanks so much for making us your first listen as we're available on all your podcasting catchers. Where should you go for your second listen? Where should they go, Miller Thomas? They should go to the Locked on MLB Prospects YouTube or podcast platform on all your streaming platforms. Go check out Locked on MLB Prospects. Lindsey Cross, who's a friend of the show here, he's a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. Find out which Diamondback player will come up, mm. dominate, and be traded to the Cardinals by Whoa. listening to Locked on MLB Prospects. We don't like to hear that. Sorry, that got dark at the end. Hey, it's so funny. Miller and I, before the show, were like going like, what are we going to be talking about? I hope it's enough to fill another episode. We crossed the 40-minute mark again. Every time. (laughs) Every time without fail. This has been, we're doing this at the beginning of the year, uh, dropping on the 2nd of January, 2023. That's Miller Thomas. I'm your pal, Sully. This has been Lockdown MLB. Let's fist pump this and call it another year.